The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. Welcome to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCoon. I serve as pastor of Zion Church. We're a congregation of believers who trust in the simple message of God's sovereign grace, where families come together to worship God in spirit and in truth through the simplicity of preaching, praying, and singing. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. If you live in the Gordo area or if you are visiting in the area, please join us for worship. We meet every Sunday at 1030 a.m. and 5 p.m., and on the first and third Wednesday evenings at 6.30 p.m. In today's message, we finish looking at some misconceptions about what primitive Baptists believe regarding the doctrine of election. As you may recall, we've been going through a series on the kingdom of God where we are dealing with our Articles of Faith of Zion Primitive Baptist Church. Article 3 declares that we do believe in the doctrine of election as taught in the scriptures. The doctrine of election is a reality in the scriptures, and you have to do something with it. You either have to accept it, or reject it, or explain it away. Today, we deal with one of the questions that often gets asked when people find out that we believe in the doctrine of election as taught in the scriptures. And that question is this. What about that person who believes in the Lord and loves his kingdom and exhibits the fruits of the Spirit, but yet he can't go to heaven because he hasn't been chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world? We'll see in the message today that such a person doesn't exist. Anyone who exhibits the fruits of the Spirit already has the Spirit of God dwelling within them. The only way to possess the fruits of the Spirit is to have been born of the Spirit. And those who have been born of the Spirit can be assured that they were chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit. Here the dying 
start talking about the doctrine of election someone pops up with this question and and let me say sometimes that this question is asked sort of in a spiteful way challenging way you know that they're trying to trying to catch you trying to catch you in some error but I've actually had someone who was struggling with this she emailed me and she said uh, she said brother Chris I want to go to heaven. I love the Lord, and I want to go to heaven so bad. But does the doctrine of election mean that I can't go, no matter how bad I want to go, I can't go if I wasn't chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world? You know, that's the question people ask you. say, well, what about that person that wants to go to heaven, that, that loves the Lord and wants to be there with him, but can't because they weren't chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. You know what the answer you need to give to that person is? That's a fictional character. No such person exists. You know, when you find one who has a sincere desire for Christ and has a love for his kingdom and for the things of the Lord and who exhibits the fruits of the Spirit, that's clear evidence that that's one who's been born again already and that's one who has the Spirit of God dwelling within them and only one who was chosen in Christ from before the foundation of the world will ever experience the new birth that's done by the Holy Spirit that the Lord sends forth into our hearts crying, Abba, Father because we are his sons. You say, well, why do you say from the scriptures that that person who has a sincere desire for Christ can take comfort in knowing that they're one of God's elect children? Well, you remember over in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14? 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14, the Bible says this, the natural man, that is one who's never been born again, who's only been born in nature, the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, for they are spiritually discerned. I think that, <laughs> that the gospel message, for one thing, is a thing of the Spirit, is it not? <laughs> it, in fact, Jesus tells us in John chapter 6, the words I speak unto you, they are spirit, they are life. And what he's saying there, these, this is not something that the natural mind can comprehend. See, in 1 Corinthians 2.14 tells us that the unborn again, the unregenerate, will not, cannot accept the gospel. You know, I, I realize, and this is a little, bit, a little bit of a rabbit trail, but I realize that's the primary teaching in the world, religious world today, is that you have to do something in order, you have to accept Jesus, you have to receive him, receive the gospel message and believe it in order to go to heaven. You know that the natural man can't do that. The natural man is not able to do that. You know, it's like I've said before, right now as I stand here, there's all kinds of radio waves passing through here. There's all kinds of television waves passing through here, satellite beams coming down through here. And the reason you're not seeing some kind of movie scrolling across my forehead is I don't have the kind of receiver that's necessary in order to broadcast that. 
I can't pick them up. I can't pick up those, those messages because there's text messages flying through the air right now. I can't reach up and grab one because I don't have the kind of receiver that's necessary to take it and then to interpret it. But that's the way it is with the gospel message. That's the way it is with the things of the Spirit of God. Until you have a receiver that can receive them, then they're just foolishness unto you and you cannot know them because they're spiritually discerned. But oh, when you have a receiver... When you're born of the Spirit and you have that spiritual man within you, that's when you're able to receive these things. That's when you're able to believe these things. That's when you recognize what a sinner you are. You know, one of the greatest things that's revealed to us by the Spirit of God is that we are lost and undone sinners in need of a Savior. Without the Spirit of God, we don't even know the condition we're in. Tell me this, does a, does a dead man know he's dead? Think about it. Would it be foolish for me to walk up to a corpse that's laying here at a funeral and say, hey, you know you're dead, right? <laughs> Does a dead man know anything? A dead man knows nothing in the realm to which he's dead. Likewise, a man who's spiritually dead knows nothing in the spiritual realm. He does not see himself as the sinner he is. But oh, when the light's turned on, when he's been born of the Spirit, when that spiritual nature has been imparted by the soul work, holy and solely of the Holy Spirit, then at that point, he's able to recognize what a sinner he is. So let me just give you some good news tonight. If you're here tonight and you feel yourself to be a lost, undone sinner, I got the best news for you, I can tell you. That's the strongest evidence I know that you've been born of the Spirit. <laughs> That's the strongest evidence I know that Jesus Christ is your Savior. And the person who has that feeling, who has that belief, and desires this, this Savior, this relationship with Christ, that one can rest in the fact that he's been born of the Spirit, that he is one of those that was chosen in Christ before the foundation of the, of the world. See, before the new birth, there is no spiritual life. John chapter 5 and verse 40 in, in that verse, Jesus says, you will not come unto me, then you might have life. You will not. See, that's not an invitation. That's an indictment. He didn't say, oh, please come to me. He said, oh, won't you come to me? No, he said, you won't. You will not do it. That means the natural man, the man in nature of your own accord, you will not come to me, that you might have life. But afterward, there is life. Why, do you, why does the doctor... I don't know if they still do it or not, but used to, you'd see on TV, and I don't think they did it with our children because our children had pretty strong lungs as soon as they were born. But, uh, but why does the doctor slap the baby after he's born? It's to get him to cry. Is he trying to get him born? Is he trying to get him to cry out so he can be born? No, the baby's already born. Why does a baby cry? A baby cries because he's been born. He's hungry now. He's in need of comfort. He's in need of, uh, of, of being swaddled in those, uh, in those uh, infant clothes. He's in need of something now that he didn't need before he's been born, you see. Likewise, the one who cries out like the thief on the cross. <laughs> you know, that's one of the greatest examples of this that I know. If you're not careful, you'll get it into your mind, child of God, that there was one good thief and one bad thief. There's a song that I've sung before, and I love the song, but there's one bad verse in there. And in that verse, it talks about, it's a song about, uh, about the crucifixion of Christ and him going up the mountain there to Calvary. And it talks about one thief cursing and swearing and one, one thief crying out for mercy and, 
you know, that's just not the picture I see in the Scripture. The picture I see in the Scripture, you, you turn sometime. You don't have to do it tonight to Matthew, the 27th chapter. You're going to learn a couple of things there that's very important. First of all, there were two thieves. You need to understand that. It wasn't a bunch of thieves. It was two. One on the right hand of him and one on the left. And secondly, as he talks about those that spat upon him and cursed him and mocked him, we're told that the thieves, plural, the thieves, they cast the same in his teeth. They were both cursing him. They were both mocking him. They were both uh, 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 looking down upon him. Neither one of them was crying out for mercy. Neither one of them was, was looking to him as some kind of savior. Oh, but Luke, the 23rd chapter, you know the story. There came a point during that episode on the cross before a preacher preached to any one of them, before any one of them was baptized, but, but without any of them reading a gospel tract, without any kind of interaction whatsoever with the church, without any statement from Jesus to them, one of them looked up and said, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. You know, some in the... In, in many circles of the religious world would say that, uh, oh, well, he asked Jesus to come into his heart right there. <laughs> Something had already happened to his heart. <laughs> See, that was the same man that had been cursing and mocking before. That's a man whose heart had been bitter against the Lord, saying, save yourself. You said you could save yourself. Save us too. And began to keep calling out to him. But all of a sudden, by the direct operation of the Holy Spirit, that man changed. And suddenly, he saw Jesus as the Savior and Lord that he is. You know, Jesus didn't say to him, let's see if we can't get somebody up here to get you down and get you baptized. Let me see if I can't get somebody over here to pray the sinner's prayer with you. You know what Jesus did? He just looked at him. He said, today... Thou shalt be with me in paradise. I love that story. I love that account. I love the fact that our Lord loved his people from before the foundation of the world and that even a death by crucifixion justly executed does not separate us from the love of Christ. Now look, that, don't, that man should have lived a different life. That thief shouldn't have been where he was. You and I ought to live lives that, that don't cause people to question who we are or where we're going. You know, I'm sure that man's family, unless they just happen to be close enough to hear it, or unless later on they got a copy of the Gospel of Luke, believed he died and went to hell. Because <laughs> he looked like it, didn't he? He, was a, he wasn't just a thief, by the way. He wasn't just a pickpocket. He was a robber. He was a violent a malefactor. That was somebody who was violent in his life. He had lived a life that ultimately resulted in this just execution. And I'm sure his family, if they were still living, if there's any left, say, oh, John, he just got what he deserved, and I suppose he's burning in hell today. <laughs> but I'm so thankful that even a thief on the cross will not escape out of the grace and mercy of God that was given to him before the foundation of the world. So let me sum all this up. I, I wanted to cover some things we don't believe. So what do we believe? And I just, I just want to briefly talk about this tonight. Lord willing, next Sunday morning we'll come back to it. As I said earlier, the doctrine of election is in the Word of God. 
You've got to do something with it. You either have to ignore it or reject it or explain it away or accept it for the glorious teaching that it is. In, in, in Romans chapter 8, we began looking in the 29th verse there. Notice what it says. For whom he did foreknow. I've already said this, but I want to remind you, not who he knew about. Not what he knew they would do. Whom he knew in an intimate, personal way. Over in the first chapter, I believe it is, of 1 Peter, in the second verse, he calls us elect according to the foreknowledge of God. That's an intimate foreknowing. That's, you know, before Sherry and I married, before we started dating, I knew about her, okay? I knew about who she was. And she knew enough about me to turn me down the first time I asked her out. <laughs> she knew about me, <laughs> see? Smart girl. <laughs> but after I marry her, married her, I know her. I don't just know about her. I know her. I know about people who are celebrities, but I don't know them. See, the Lord's not talking about somebody he knew about. He knew about everybody, but he knew his people. He foreknew them before the foundation of the world. We're told in the book of Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 4 that we were chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. That's the work of the Holy Spirit in regeneration. Whom he called, them he also justified. That's the work of Jesus on the cross, which we'll get to in this study of our articles of faith. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. That's the doctrine of the resurrection that we also have as one of our articles of faith here at this church. And then he asks the question, what shall we then say to these things? So many people get agitated. So many people reject them. So many people don't understand them and therefore ignore them. But I hope your answer is the same as Paul's here. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? I talked to a preacher one time and said, well, I know the doctrine's true, but I just don't think we need to be preaching it. That's the meat of the word, and we just need to be feeding them the milk. Beloved, this is the milk of the word. This helps me today. This helps me every day when I'm struggling in life, when I'm facing things like Brother Zach faced this week where, where there's a spot on his, on his brain and when, when I face problems like when, I, when Ashley was diagnosed with diabetes, when I face problems like the death of my father, when I face problems like I struggle with every single day, I can look back to this and say, you know what? I have messed up so much in my life. I have, I have messed up everything I've ever done to some extent or another i've never gotten it exactly right but praise god jesus did and if god be for me who can be against me that's why that doctrine's so important you know it's it's a wondrous theological thought isn't it i mean it's 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 a great theological doctrine but i don't think god just gave us the doctrine this bible here that we might learn theological doctrines he gave us things that we can apply to our life and herein, you see, is the miracle of God's grace that in the midst of a sin-cursed world, we can know that He has loved us with an everlasting love. Jeremiah tells us that, doesn't he? In Jeremiah 31 and verse 3, he said, He has loved us. I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. 
you have a sense of yourself as a sinner and a sense that Christ is the Savior that you need that was sufficient for your case, then you can rest assured that that is a fruit of the Spirit of God. And you see, we can rely on... If, 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 I, had to, if I had to do any... <laughs> I don't even want to get into this. Let me just say this. My dear wife asked me to do it, perform a task this week to fix something, okay? I got to working on that thing, Brother Glendon, and I got so aggravated because I had warped it. It was just fixing a lamp, and I had messed it up and all that. I couldn't get, it, I couldn't get the top off. I had every tool, Brother Mackey, in my, in my disposal. I fixed, as some of you know, I've redone all my tools. They're all at my, I can, I can lay hands on anyone I want right now. Brother Roger, I got the right one. I was doing it. I finally said, that's it. We're getting new lamps. I'm done. About 30 minutes later, she came upstairs while I was still fuming and said, hey, I got this off. I messed it up. She got it off. I don't know what I did wrong, but I did something wrong. I still hadn't figured it out, Brother Craig. I don't know why my wife was able to get the top off, and I wasn't. She didn't even use any tools, I don't think, maybe a screwdriver. But you see, what I'm getting at is this. If I can't be trusted with the simplest task, how can I possibly be trusted with the most important thing in my life, which is my eternal salvation. See, that's what I'm saying about the doctrine of grace, the doctrine of election. It's the most beautiful, sweetest, precious doctrine there is when we understand it as it is. Thank you for joining us today on the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. I hope the message has been uplifting and beneficial to you and that the Lord will continue to bless you to grow in grace and knowledge of the truth. Join us again tomorrow for another message of God's sovereign grace. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J-C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.